this is Jamie Andelin, and you are listening to my podcast, Your Turn on Desire. I used to have very little desire for sex. This became an issue in my marriage. It was the only thing we were arguing about. So I learned how to stop avoiding sex, and I learned how to look forward to it and enjoy it instead. And this improved my marriage and my personal life more than I could even imagine it would. So then I helped hundreds of women in my coaching business ditch the low desire struggle. And now I'm sharing the secrets here. Welcome. The truth is that it is much more exhausting to seek sexual fulfillment where you can never find it than to just do the work that actually creates sexual fulfillment. One way we try to find sexual fulfillment that is never actually going to produce the fulfillment and satisfaction that we want is to believe that advocating and pushing for more sex is going to be the thing that fixes the sex struggle. Wives, even if you had sex more often, that doesn't necessarily mean your husband will be more satisfied. If you're not fully choosing to be there, he feels it. If you're not fully enjoying it, he notices. More sex doesn't fix the challenge of sexuality in a marriage. Having more sex doesn't mean that both of you are having enjoyable experiences. Enjoying sex is a big part in desiring more of it. Sexual desire needs incentive to show up and sex that is fine or where you're not really there or you feel guilty saying no to and obligated about or making the focus of sex intercourse or performing or feeling pressure to climax doesn't give desire incentive to show up. And because many women tend to be pickier about when they decide to have sex, the whole sexual process should begin way outside of the bedroom in our simple everyday interactions with each other. And if there isn't much erotica being cultivated between the two of you, then trying to make more sex a priority will just make it more of an obligation and there won't be much intimacy and connection between the two of you and just more and more evidence that sex is just okay or it could even be a source of frustration in your life. This evidence is created when we are pushing for more sex to be the thing that will solve the problem. In the medium to big picture, this like idea of needing more sex, this way of thinking more sex is going to fix the problem doesn't work. In the big picture, this is just creating more problems. So wives, don't believe your husbands when they say they need more sex or we need to have more sex or something is wrong and we need to make sure we are having more sex more often or we aren't having enough sex. Any form of this Don't believe them. What's happening is they are using words to try to explain how they feel. But the words aren't actually being very clear with how they're feeling. 
when these words are used, I'm going to offer to you an idea of a meaning behind their words so that you can start thinking this instead when they start to, you know, initiate the conversation of needing or wanting more sex. What they are really saying underneath these words is, I don't feel very important to you. I want to feel desired. I want to feel chosen by you. They are sensing something that happens in many marriages, and it's common, but it doesn't mean that it's a productive thing that happens. What they are sensing is that their wife isn't fully choosing them. They are sensing that she isn't willing to get to know a part of her husband. He is wanting to share a part of himself with her, and he is wanting to know a part of her better, and he is sensing that there is a message she is sending to him that is, I am not willing to get to know this part of you, and I'm not willing to know this part of myself, and I'm not willing to really open up and share this part of me with you. I'm not willing to choose to know every part of you and every part of me and bring those together. Why wouldn't a wife fully choose her spouse? It's actually quite simple. It's maybe not easy in application, but it's pretty simple to understand. There are two reasons she won't choose her husband. And we're going to talk about the second reason in this episode. The first one we talked about in the previous episode, we talked about good judgment. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you might want to listen to that one first. A woman, a woman will not choose her husband sexually because she has good judgment and doesn't believe her spouse is fully invested in her as a whole person. She feels he is mostly invested in her so that he can have sex, but not so much as a whole woman with many desires and thoughts and feelings and things that are important to her. She thinks sex is getting way more focused than it needs to, and she's also giving sex more focus in negative ways than it deserves. And there's so much pressure on sex being something that should that they should do so that he can feel chosen. So she doesn't feel he is truly connected to the whole of her and therefore will not be open to turning to him and choosing to connect sexually. This is pretty much a a synopsis of the last previous episode. This comes across um, to, to many people as low sexual desire. And then when this good judgment is going in, it's talked about in the relationship as if something may be wrong with her, but in actuality, she has good judgment and is sensing the low investment her husband has towards her as a whole woman and the relationship. So her not being willing to get to know the sexual part of herself and share this with him could be good judgment on her part. It could also be low investment on her part. She could be sensing his low investment, so she is not willing to invest, or it could be she is just not willing to fully invest in herself, the relationship, and him. So usually it's a bit of both, good judgment and low investment. And they, the couple, they are playing this unproductive game of control, like I'll invest more in you and us if you invest more in us first. So the only way to stop this game of control tennis is someone has to drop their racket and decide to stop playing and choose to invest. So in the last episode, we talked about good judgment and low investment. So the wife could be not investing very much. The 
husband could not be fully investing and choosing. And so they're playing this back and forth game of if you choose me, then I'll choose you. And I'm waiting for the other person to choose first. And it's just literally not going to ever happen that way. Um, and I talk more about this in my holiday bundle, my, my newest course that has been released and is on sale right now. We dive into this dynamic. It's so important to understand this because intimacy and control cannot be there at the same time. And the only time that a fulfilling sex life will actually happen is if the both people in the relationship take an intimacy stance. And it starts with one of you deciding to choose intimacy. You don't have to wait for both of you to choose intimacy because the one who chooses it is going to advocate for it and lead the way. And so that's really powerful. But in this specific episode, what we are going to be talking about is the second reason a woman will not fully choose her husband. And it's if she doesn't have a strong sense of self. If she doesn't invest in herself and her own desires, or she has a low investment in her own well-being, then she will withhold choosing her spouse fully and will withhold desiring him sexually. She does this in order to hold on to her own identity and to have a part of her that belongs to herself. A woman's sexuality is closely linked to her, to her sense of self And she doesn't know how to both choose herself and choose her husband. She thinks she can only choose one or the other. When she gets married, she doesn't know how to belong to herself and belong with her husband. And of course, this gets worse and worse over time. She feels as if fully choosing him means she loses a part of herself. And sometimes this means that women were just raised in homes where it felt unsafe to fully open up and choose someone. So for whatever reason, not always physically unsafe, but just like you weren't allowed to emotionally fully be yourself. Maybe you were unacceptable in some way. Um, And so this, you know, this dynamic shows up in your marriage. So she can go back and forth between choosing him and choosing herself, but not able to do both at the same time. It feels risky to her or, or she just doesn't think it's an option. And this is normal and she may not realize it's happening. So I want to describe what this looks like for you in real life. I also want to say that she does this in other relationships, not just with her husband, but they all impact her sexual desire. Isn't that interesting? We all have two inherent desires to belong to others and to belong to ourselves. To belong to others means we are valued by our family and whatever group we decide to be in, whether that be at church or school, amongst friends, or like in our marriages. And we want to know that we belong there and with them. And when we don't feel chosen, we we don't feel that we belong, we aren't feeling like we belong, we, we start to we start doing things like people pleasing to sort of get these people to like us in a way so that we can feel that we belong and are seen and chosen. Of course this doesn't work in the big picture. This is kind of a what um what children do. Like they try to please their people so that they can get a sense of belonging. And so what we want to do is evolve and get out of emotional childhood and get into emotional adulthood. Um, So you're kind of maturing yourself emotionally. And this is really important. So here's some examples, stories, personal stories from my life about not fully choosing myself, not fully belonging with myself, and, and being unable to fully choose my spouse in the process. When I was first newly married to my husband, I was 22 years old. I had two young children, ages two and a couple months, 
We decided to take a job offer that my husband's dad had offered him and we moved to be near some of our extended family. And we were sort of just starting our lives, you know, just finishing school and moving, working. All this started to feel like more of a real life compared to the one we were living, which is going to college and just getting by. So when we moved here, I wanted to belong in my church community, my new church community, which is where I went to church. And I wanted to go to church with the, the people who we live by in a certain area near us. And in my church, we call this a ward. Everyone in a certain area goes to church at the same time in the building. And that's just kind of how the church is organized because there's so many people and everyone has a different time slot that they go. And you just happen to go with people who are in your organized area. I wanted to belong to these people and I wanted to feel like I belonged to my in-laws whom I was living close to. This was very important to me at the time and because you know, we are humans. And so it's normal to want these things for ourselves. And so I started trying to fit in with the ladies that my sister-in-law was friends with. And I just started to try to become friends with them. I did notice that I didn't have a lot of in common with them. They were interested in things that I necessarily wasn't interested in, but I tried to be interested in those things. I think some of it was because I was young and typically trying to find myself, but another part of it was because I wanted to feel like I belong with them. And so I just thought I had to do what they enjoyed doing and be involved in the things they were involved in in order to belong and always showing up so that I could really, really belong. So I kind of let the development of myself go because I didn't know how to develop as an individual, belong with myself, and also belong with others. If I noticed something in me that was different, I would kind of suppress that in order to belong. An example of this is I did not enjoy getting together for what we called playgroups, where all the moms would get together with their young kids and we would sit in quotation marks, visit with each other while the kids played. To me, it was really hard for me to get in the good quality conversations that I really desired with the many women there. And... I am way more comfortable opening up in smaller groups, maybe just one on one. And there were always several women there. And so the conversations were very surface level or busy, which is fine. But I was really needing to connect. I I needed a deeper level of connection. And so I was feeling quite lonely because I wasn't getting these deeper conversations um, with one-on-one women. But this is where the women were gathering weekly and I wanted to belong. And so I would just go along with it. It was also hard to connect when there were little kids running around and I don't always prefer other people's children unless I'm related to them. You know, if they're nieces and nephews, that's easy for me, but other people's children, it takes time for me to enjoy them. I have to put a lot of effort in and and when you have your own children, it's really hard to want to put all that effort into enjoying other people's children for me. So the whole playgroup idea really was difficult for me. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I kept showing up because I was trying to belong to these women They would also be involved in things like couponing or redoing furniture, and none of these appealed to me. These were not my desires. These were not the things I liked doing or wanted to be doing or spending my time. But over time, I just kind of suppressed my own likes and desires and tried to participate in all the things that they were doing. And same thing with my extended family. I would just suppress who I was, and and I tried to be who I thought they wanted me to be so that I could be valued by them, and I could belong in the family or at least feel like I belonged in the family. Something you can do at this point in this podcast episode is you can pause and you can ask yourself, what is my version of this? 
In what ways am I not belonging with myself? In what ways am I betraying my own self, my own identity? In what ways am I not paying attention to my own desires? In what ways am I poo-pooing on my desires and the things that I want to do the way I want to live my life? Am I saying that what everybody else wants is better than what I want or I should want to enjoy these certain things even though I don't? And am I kind of pressuring myself into certain boxes so that you can belong with others? And there's many different questions you can ask yourself, but just pausing and just asking yourself, what is my version of this or how does this apply to me? is so good. We may not have the exact same circumstances or situations or story, but you're going to have ways in which you yourself may be struggling and the ways you may be self-betraying and slowly packing yourself away and not truly seeing how you can be you and embrace yourself and choose to have a strong sense of belonging with yourself. And then also allowing yourself to choose to belong with your people by being yourself instead of being a photocopy version of yourself. So being a photocopy version of yourself, this this isn't really showing up as the real version of who you are. And so a lot of people will start liking a photocopy version of you and not the real version of you. And so this is what I refer to as a kind of self-betrayal, which just isn't showing up as the best version of yourself in your relationships. And so There can be a lot of insecurity in your relationships because you sense that people don't really know the real you, so they'll never really feel seen or, and you'll never, you know, you're never seen, you're never really going to be fully chosen, but you don't even have the chance to let yourself find out who really sees you and chooses you until you just be you instead of being that photocopy version of you, which this just reminded me of another story in which I betrayed myself and it was all with the same group of women. So they were doing a kind of weight loss challenge and it was going to run over, I think it was 12 weeks or something. And I, at the time, gosh, it was after my second baby or third and I had lost all the weight and I was actually like 119 pounds at the initial weigh in. I literally had zero weight to lose. I did feel like I wanted to be healthier, but I don't think that this was the right container in which to work on my health. I showed up and the women were not very happy that I was there because it didn't make sense to anybody. I even had one woman call me a skinny bee because she didn't agree, which, you know, she was right. Like I I didn't need to lose weight. Um, But her approach wasn't very kind or tactful. I was desperately trying to be friends with these women. And so I thought, well, I just need to show up to the challenge. I I need to be a part of this challenge so that I can connect with them every week so that we can be sharing in this journey together. It was completely not something I needed to participate in. And honestly, I didn't want to, but it just shows my desperate desire to belong, causing me to show up in ways that weren't actually true to myself. It was kind of betraying parts of myself, being a photocopy version of myself, I probably could have found a group of women who were trying to be healthier, who didn't need to lose weight and could have connected and bonded with them a whole lot better or even paid attention to some of my desires. Like, I love children's literature. I could have found a book group of sorts that was reading Harry Potter or something and I could have joined that and it would have been a lot more true to my own self as opposed to just trying to go along with what all these women were doing. But these in these stories, in these couple stories that I've shared... 
I'm, I'm just encouraging you to pause, either actually literally pause the podcast episode and, and really give some thought to this, or when the podcast episode is over, think about this and pay attention to how you may be training yourself in many areas of your life, even in small ways throughout the day, and especially how you're doing this in your marriage or in, in where you spend a lot of your time. I have a client who really wanted to feel seen by her mother. She never wanted to disappoint her mother. Her mother would often express her disappointment with my client. And so she was always living in a way to try to belong with her mother. And she had been married for several years. And this was really taking a toll on her overall emotional maturity and development of her own self and her sense of belonging. This kind of suppression of self or managing her sense of self through trying to people please or to be someone who you know who doesn't disappoint others this can happen over and over and over again over time and i i do want to share that my thinking was coming from the idea that i wasn't valued and i didn't belong and so i had to do things to earn it if if i had my own back and accepted that sort of being an adult is disappointing to uh, to other adults that that would have been a different story for me and, and kind of my client as well because she was working so hard at trying to belong with her mother and to not disappoint her mother that she would really suppress her um, sense of sexuality in her marriage because she just wanted a part of her that, that belonged to her. Now, of course, we're not consciously knowing that we're doing this. This is more of a subconscious thing or a pattern that many people are in and just haven't paused to really give it the attention it needs. The impact of this and one of the negative consequences showed up in my marriage, as it does, I actually did feel desired and chosen by my husband, but I had lost my own sense of self, partly because I was also suppressing parts of myself to care for my kids, and I had spent so much of my time and energy unknowingly trying to belong to my extended family and the women at church, and suppressing myself to care for all these areas of my life that back in my marriage, I subconsciously worked at belonging to myself. And the way I did this was not desiring my husband and fully choosing him and not desiring him sexually. And just kind of turning off my sexual desire. I wouldn't allow myself to want. This is a normal and natural consequence from a woman who doesn't have a strong identity or doesn't feel she truly belongs to herself. Women who don't belong to themselves will have what we call a low sexual desire. Sexual desire is linked to belonging with ourselves. If we have a low sense of our own identity and selves and a low investment in ourselves, then we will have a low sexual desire. There's low investment in our sense of self and identity, which creates low desires and because many women don't know how to belong with themselves and belong with others at the same time, they may feel chosen and desired by their husbands, but they don't believe they can fully choose him because they fear they will lose whatever sense of self they have left. And in an attempt to hold on to a part of themselves, they may quietly rebel and not allow themselves to want sexually. We can do this in our sexual relationship with our husbands. We can notice that we are not choosing him so that we can hold on to our sense of self or we can upgrade our settings and we can work on our sense of self and work on choosing him as well. Because when we do this, we upgrade our whole lives and our relationships. It's hard to do this and it's scary to do this on our own sometimes. 
Because, you know, when you work on belonging with yourself, a lot of relationships might shift and change. You know, it's very real when you when you start making changes and start belonging to yourself that people notice these changes and they might say you're being different. You're not being yourself when you're a people pleaser. You know, when you're used to being the yes woman and showing up to all the things and doing everything that everybody else wants you to do and, and just being the version of you who you think other people want you to be, it, it can be hard to change. That's not really other people's fault, you know, like they might take it personally and think and say things like, you don't like me anymore, you don't care about me anymore, because you're the one that's changing. And so they're noticing this, and, and that can be a hard dynamic. And so this is very real and, and very hard and scary for a lot of women to start working on their own selves and their belonging to themselves, because they are afraid of losing friendships or just belonging somewhere, which is a very real fear, and not something that will, and, and it is something that will take some time and effort and investment to work through. But also, I think we all know that it's just better to be ourselves and to belong with ourselves because then you'll know for a fact who chooses you and who doesn't. And you won't have that insecurity in your relationship thinking that they don't really see you and don't really love you because you're being yourself and you're belonging with yourself and you'll see them like seeing you and choosing you and accepting you and loving you. And so you won't doubt You'll know for a fact. They won't be in love with a photocopy version of you. They're going to be in love with the real you. And you'll know for a fact that it's better to do this, right? Like you want to know, like, does my spouse have the ability to fully choose me for who I am as I am fully choosing every part of myself and choosing them? It's just better to do this. You'll stop feeling that quiet rebellion and you'll own every part of you. And then you'll get to choose to share parts of yourself with who you choose to share with. But you won't feel the need to hold on to your sexuality and you'll see your desires and allow yourself to want. You have to decide for yourself what is more important to me, investing in myself and my marriage and making this marriage and my family the most important part of my life and putting in a lot of energy and investment into my overall well-being, belonging to myself, and then belonging to my husband, and choosing to belong and be with him and choose him? Or do I want to put in a lot of investment into belonging with others around me that may turn in some kind of low ways of showing up in the world, like trying to control other people's opinions of you, trying to not disappoint other adults like my client and her mother. And we get to decide going through this time of choosing to belong to yourself and getting to know yourself and listening to your desires and your wants. And, you know, going through this adjustment, yes, it's going to feel messy at times and your anxiety might increase a little bit before it decreases. But it's also going to lead you to a more authentic, deep connection that you wouldn't get otherwise. This doesn't mean that if you decide to strengthen your self-identity and your self-concept that your marriage will strengthen, but then you're not going to have any other good relationships. No, everything kind of starts to become more authentic and it takes some time and and you have to get through the messiness and persevere, but you'll find on the other side of this is real abundance. So you'll have everything you truly desire and all of your relationships will be a lot more authentic and intimate and connected. So let's bring it back to 
when the husband decides to approach his wife with this, we need to have more sex talk, what husbands are actually noticing, because they are attuned to their wives, could be that she isn't choosing him. He notices this. She is avoiding sex with him because she isn't allowing herself to fully desire in her life, to fully want, to fully choose, and then to take that and to choose and desire her husband. She has lost a part of herself and doesn't really know what she wants and desires in and out of the bedroom. Therefore, she doesn't allow herself to desire sex and her spouse fully. She may have sex out of obligation to keep him desiring her, but her heart isn't there and her choice isn't there. And this is what husbands are noticing. They're noticing she isn't being present. She doesn't belong or she doesn't bring her heart when they have sex. She isn't fully choosing to share this part of herself. She's holding back. And he may not fully be aware of what he's seeing. He notices something. And so he might actually just take her behavior personally instead of expressing the other things he's attuned to. He's actually pretty attuned to her, but he's getting it twisted inside of himself and he's making it about him. So he's seeing like, He's actually seeing where her heart is hurting, where she is unable to fully choose, where she is holding back and not allowing herself to be known. And then he gets in his head a little too much and he starts thinking about himself feeling rejected. And so then he he says the words, we need to have more sex when the truth is actually, I sense that you're avoiding choosing and desiring. Yes, in sex, but also in other areas of your life too. And because your sexual relationship is actually a great place to gauge where a wife is at in her own life and with him as her husband, when a wife is not really choosing to be intimate, he he knows that his sexual relationship is a really good gauge for where his wife is at in her overall well-being. And when his wife isn't fully choosing, then this is scary for him because he's looking at the sexual relationship with her and he's gauging like, oh my gosh, like her, her overall well-being isn't that great. And her overall sense of happiness and her overall sense of belonging and her, her self-concept and her, her self-identity, you know, He can tell that these are in desperate need of some upgrading. And the sexual relationship is a really good gauge for those things. Now, he, a lot of husbands may not even be aware that they're doing this, but they they do. And I think it's actually genius um, that they can look at the sexual part of their relationship and, and with their wives and know like where the overall relationship is at, but they don't really approach it in the best way. Um, and so this is why it gets kind of confusing. So he actually gets scared because he, you know, he, he's losing you and he's worried about his wife and he's worried about her, her own well-being and her own self. And if he gets out of his own head and out of his own rejection that he's sensing and feeling, and, and if he's decides to not, rely on sex to validate so many things in him, then he can get out of all that. This is how he can choose intimacy. He can get out of all that and start looking at her 
looking at her eyes, looking into her and and saying like, oh, I'm really attuned and connected to a lot of things that are going on here, which is actually oh, so amazing, I think. And right then and there, when he decides to to tune into all this, he takes an intimacy stance. So it's like he's dropping the racket and he's not playing tennis anymore. He can use this opportunity um, as a catalyst for his own personal growth. And as a wife, you can actually use this opportunity and this awareness as a catalyst for your own personal growth and for an opportunity for you to get out of the really frustrating, we need to have more sex conversation and, and that, and get out of being stuck in your sexual relationship. So he doesn't actually want more sex. I mean, of course he wants sex. He wants good sex, of course. But what he wants is your heart fully being present in your sexual relationship. Not more sex. He wants more choice, more heart. He wants his wife to be all in on herself, to belong with herself and to choose to belong with him and to choose him and to get to know herself sexually and to get to know him sexually. He wants both of them to be able to open up to every parts of themselves, the each part of themselves, and to bring that to each other and to know each other better. And when he initiates this, we need to have more sex talk. He is most likely going to be initiating this conversation, feeling rejected and vulnerable and hurt, and will come across as broken and frustrated and won't fully understand what's going on. And then the wife will feel heartbroken and frustrated and not know what to do. And so this conversation is frustrating and and isn't productive because there isn't a whole lot of awareness and honesty going on. But if you can truly see what's happening here, you can start to guide the conversation in a much more productive way. You can own up to your role and you can take responsibility for your part and you can help to reveal to your spouse what he or she may actually be trying to say and how they actually feel. You got to get to the the core issue here. Not just on the surface talking about more sex. You got to get underneath it. Sex isn't the problem. More sex, not enough sex, all that. That's not the actual problem. Underneath all of that. You got to get underneath that. And that's that's what we do in my courses. My, my I mean, I that's why I've made these courses. So you can actually get to this the core issues here, are the intimacy issues, the the connection issues, these relational issues, the parts of you who you haven't allowed to mature and develop, the parts of your spouse who that need to be matured and developed and, you know, try to, to like really embrace this sexual part of your relationship as the gauge for how are we doing in our own maturing, in our own emotional place? Like, are we, are we behaving as emotional children? Or are we behaving as emotional adults? Have we let ourselves mature spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it is my joy and my honor to invite you to my newest online course so that you can be more honest with yourself and your spouse so that you can self-confront and take responsibility for your part. And when you learn how to do this, the more productive you'll be. You'll get out of that messy rut you've been stuck in and you get to be on the other side where 
amazing, wonderful sex is just waiting for you. Before we end this episode and our time together today on this podcast, I want to share some really powerful thoughts with you, which I hope will be a great mindset shift for you as you continue on this sex journey for yourself. I want to start with nobody needs a magnificent sex life. A magnificent sexual and intimate connection is part of the extras of life. An amazing sex life is part of the delights of life. An amazing sexual and intimate connection isn't part of the everyone needs this to survive parts of life. Nobody needs extra. Nobody needs delight. It isn't required that everyone know how to delight in the wonderment that is their life with their spouse. A magnificent sex life is available for anyone who wants it. Anyone who is ready for extra can make their sex life a source of joy, fun, and rejuvenation. So if you ever find yourself thinking, I don't need sex, you're right. Nobody does. And so strengthening your relationship with the extras of life is going to be really, really helpful for you as you work on strengthening your relationship with sexuality. Now, you don't need me in order to transform your sex life and intimate life in your marriage. I want to tell you, and I am telling you in this podcast and on my Instagram, what you need in order to transform your sex life from a source of frustration to a source of deep love and connection that you both enjoy. It's delightful. You can learn how to do all these things. You don't have to have me (laughs) as your guide as your mentor not everybody needs that or wants that so here are some things that you can really work on heal and or nurture your beliefs around sex pleasure intimacy yourself your body and your spouse that cause disconnection between the two of you any belief you have in these areas that causes you to have behaviors that you don't like about yourself change those beliefs Decide what messages you want to send to your spouse in your daily lives together and then change your actions and behaviors to match up to those messages. We send messages in the way we are being, not just what we say. It's what we think and how we be, not just what we do. Our vibes don't lie and our spouses can sense how we really think and feel sometimes before we are even aware of ourselves. Something you can ask yourself is, where is my spouse right about me? If you're a husband, are you sending the message to your wife that she's too much work, that she shouldn't need all she needs in order to desire sex with you? Are you sending the message to her that you work really hard and you want sex as a way for her to reciprocate for your hard work? These are the messages you're going to want to stop sending to her. If you're a wife, are you sending the messages to your husband that you don't want 
to get to know the sexual part of yourself or him? Are you sending the message to him that there are parts of him that you're not willing to know and understand? Are you sending messages to him that his desire is inconvenient and a bother? Are you sending messages to him that he isn't desired, chosen, and loved? These are messages you want to take a look at and stop sending those. Husbands, are you so focused on wanting her to desire and choose you sexually that you stop trying to be someone who is desirable and someone who is worth choosing sexually? Have you both stopped cultivating love, erotic feelings, non-sexual fun and pleasure? Are you waiting for desire to just happen to you? Or have you intentionally decided to create desire and erotica between the two of you? Strengthening your sexual and intimate connection is a choice that you make every day. And you don't need me in order to do that. You need you. That's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for yourself to do the work. If you're waiting for your spouse to do the work before you do, then I'm sorry to say that you'll be waiting light years for changes to happen. Waiting for your spouse to do their work before you fully devote yourself to your work sends the message to them that they aren't worth investing in, that you'll only invest if they are willing. And in this environment, there's a low investment vibe vibe being shared between the two of you, and this is very uninspiring, low investment, low energy, low desire. Those all go together when you do the work, that's when you enjoy the fruits of your labors. Doing the work that doesn't create a magnificent sex life is exhausting. Doing the work that makes your sexual life amazing is rewarding and energizing because it actually works. And if you're not experiencing an easy, fun sex and intimate life, then you're doing the wrong work. Don't blame your spouse. Just go to the actual work. Do your part. Because if you're not experiencing an amazing sex life, you're not doing your part. There's always something you can do to change and inspire change in your spouse and your relationship because you are never helpless. And if you are doing these things and it's harder than you thought it would be or you want faster results, then you're not alone Because that's why I'm here. I'm here for those who are tired of doing this work on their own and they want support. This work isn't easy. I understand that more than anyone. It took me way too long to change my sex life from a source of frustration to an easy, fun part of my life. And sometimes I'm super sad about how long we missed out on experiencing true love, desire, and intimacy between us. But I don't let myself stay there long because there is so much joy, love, connection, and sexual pleasure to enjoy now and for the rest of our lives together. So if you're doing this work and you want help, I'm here for you. New Year, New Sex Life is my new program that I'm enrolling in. Enrollment won't be forever, so if you're ready and you want help, I wouldn't wait. It's a year-long program. There are monthly live calls. These are optional to attend. There may be more calls than this. It just depends on what I feel is needed amongst the group. 
there's private support and community in our community in between these calls. This is actually also optional to participate in. New weekly content released all year. Lifetime access to the course content and all updates that I add. And I plan on updating every year. So you pay once and you receive lifetime access. Um, there's also bonus content for husbands. This isn't needed to transform your sex life, but it does speed up progress. And I also wanted to make this available for husbands whose wives maybe aren't ready for going through this process yet. And husbands just want to figure out like what their responsibilities are and they want to get to know their wife better. So that's an option for you. Our first live call will be on January 24th and so we would love to have you come join us and it would be a pleasure to be connected with you in this more intimate way for life (laughs) that's like one of the best parts of this course is just having that lifetime access and being part of this forever so I'm here for you if you want and desire support in that area. If you're ready for extra. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I love, 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 love you. 